You're about to experience filling the air with words. Version 2.0, honoring Jane Shannon, who co-created this conversational podcast. Hello, I'm Robert Parrish. Welcome to part two of our Filling the Air with Words interview with singer-songwriter Tammy Nielsen, who hails all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. We begin as we did in part one with some of Tammy's music. Here from her Chickaboom album is 16 Miles of Chain, written by Tammy and Delaney Davidson. Lower me down into the ground with 16 miles of chain to find a heart for the man I love, the one that wouldn't stray. Through the door to the devil's store from the ashes dark and stained. He pulled out Sixteen miles of chain Sixteen miles of chain Been waiting for you a long time, girl The heart began to say When I was reading about you, and of course, 
I got the majority of, of this information I'm about to share from your website, which is very good, by the way. Oh, um, <laughs> but where it says press, you know, I went in on press. And here's what I read. Badass, force of nature, fire breathing, soul shattering effect of the human voice at the height of its powers. They're talking about you there. <laughs> and I am not going to disagree with any of that. What I'd like to hear from you is, what do you think? <laughs> don't believe everything you read. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't believe your own press. They always say that. Don't believe your own press. Don't take on, you know, people say, don't take on the negative and also don't take on the positive. Yeah. Don't, don't give either too much weight. Um, I guess for me, I feel vocally that... I have kind of hit my sweet spot, you know, uh, I think as, as a woman, um, as a person, you know, I, when you kind of hit your forties, you start, you know, not giving a shit what people think anymore. And you kind of shed all of that unnecessary judgment. And uh, it, so it really frees you to be confident in who you are. And I think that comes through really clearly in my performance and in my singing it's definitely um freer and more authentically me than it's ever been because i'm freer and more authentically me but also just physically you know a woman's uh body changes and your voice changes it it deepens it gets richer um, all of these happen, all of, all of these things happen when you get older. I can remember as a child, I was obsessed with Judy Garland and I'm not talking like the wizard of Oz Dorothy. I was obsessed with like the drug addled, um, <laughs> you know, like kind of mood swing, crazy Judy as just, you know, a 12 year old, which was quite funny like my dad was like this is your role model and I was the most squeaky like squeaky squeaky I can't even say it squeaky clean Christian kid that grew up in the most sheltered environment you know with her family and her parents with her every minute of the day and here I was obsessed with Judy and I remember saying to dad like oh, I just want to sing like that voice like when she sang the man that got away in a star is born like how do you get that big? And, and he said, honey, you got to wait until you're older to sound like that. Like when you're there, you just can't. And I, and I mean, that's like 20 packs of cigarettes and <laughs> drugs and alcohol as well, which um, I didn't have to season uh, the vocal cords, but um, which is probably good uh, in the long yeah, run. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it is. <laughs> <laughs> I started, you know, hitting the smokes right away, you know, but, um, yeah, he just said, you know, when you get older, you have that to look forward to, you know, when I was 18 and wanting to sound like Judy, you know, he said, you just wait, you just wait until you hit your late thirties, early forties. You're not going to believe the power that, that can come out of you. And so for most females in the industry were so conditioned to be afraid of, you know, once you're there, you're kind of past it. You know, your prime is when you're kind of late teens, early twenties, and then you're kind of, you know, we're told we're disposable after that. 
but I was always the opposite. I couldn't wait to be the age I am now to be able to use my voice the way I can use it now. I mean, it's years of experience and knowing your voice really well, what you can do with it, what you can't do with it, and your range changes. My range is uh, lower than it used to be. I can't hit kind of those really big high squeaky notes anymore, but I don't want to hit those squeaky notes. I want to stay in my kind of belt range. And um, so it's not as much about range as it is about power and emotion and, and being able to really, I don't know, it's, it's like really kind of settling into a long, beautiful relationship. And this is like, these are the golden, this is the time that it's like, it's true. And it's not when, when they say at the height of its powers in those reviews, it's, it's not a, an ego thing saying, Oh, I'm at the height of my powers. It's also knowing that this is probably the prime for a female voice from here on out. It, it will probably start to get trickier and you have to start adjusting just like you do in a relationship. My voice and me have a beautiful love relationship and it changes as I grow and as it changes. And so it's kind of always being in touch with it and being reacquainted with it and keeping that closeness, knowing what it can do, what it can't and, and celebrating it for what it is, not thinking, Oh, I, you can't do what you used to do. Instead embracing the new beautiful richness that's coming where, you know, the youthful stuff isn't there anymore. The way that I feel about my voice is kind of something that all women in particular struggle with their bodies in general, you know, um, not just your voice changing, your body changing with all of the things we put it through, giving life to other human beings and raising them. And so I think, you know, that just extends my relationship with my voice also extends to, you know, kind of trying to empower women knowing like embrace what you have, celebrate what you have. You won't have it forever. It's going to change and it'll be something new and different and exciting as well. I think you just have to embrace what you have and enjoy it. I mean, that's kind of the theme of this year, but it should be the theme of every year is is celebrating what you have and, and enjoying it and, and just really being filled with gratitude for what you have at the time you have it. And that's a really, really long answer for <laughs> just a question about, about my voice. <laughs> you know, trust me, I love, I think any interviewer loves long answers because there was <laughs> so much there. The problem that we have on the other end is like, okay, what? She said this. I was going to ask a question about a way. I can't ask that question. I don't remember what she said exactly. But the, the, the basic thing that I came away with your beautiful long answer is there were two things. Number one, empowering women. I mean, that is really evident to me on not only your audio recordings, but also your videos. From what I have heard and seen on your seven albums right seven yeah geez <laughs> no you go everywhere you're not genre specific speak to your ability to cover pretty much everything and how that works specifically with what you just told me about your voice i guess because as a as a vocalist and as a songwriter i think True vocalists 
just want to sing great songs and it doesn't matter the genre. If it's a great song, you want to sing it, you want to interpret it and perform it. And so I hate being restricted to just one genre, but at the same time, I just, I really don't believe in genres. <laughs> it was kind of a, it's against my religion. It was very much a marketing construct. It was never meant to happen. It was a, it was marketing. It was a, a racial construct, you know, coming out of the birth of these genres where there was, you know, poor white people's music was labeled country and Western or hillbilly. And then black people's music was then labeled race records and then later rhythm and blues. That was a racial construct and it was a marketing construct to sell to those separate races and to keep those races separate. So I have no reason in the world to make sure that continues. Why would I support something like that by creating only one or the other and thinking it needs to be restricted? I think that when you do that, it's kind of lending power to that foundation and those foundations are rotten. So I don't believe in, in separating genres. I sing what I sing and I write what I write. And I guess it's my greatest weakness and my greatest strength at the same time, you know, when it comes to marketing, not when it comes to music. Um, if I'm thinking purely from a creative standpoint, it's my greatest strength. If I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint, it's my greatest weakness because you can't streamline and, and point that arrow to such a narrow, narrow point that it hits that target, that small little round red hole in the middle is what all marketing is aiming for. They're wanting to kind of really nail it and then it kind of sends those shock waves around the rest of the target, you know, and, and becomes mainstream. But middle means it's the middle of the road. And aiming for the middle has never been my forte. <laughs> so I spend too many time slinging my arrows all over the place. Because just personally, as, a, as an artist, as a creative, I understand the, the strength of marketing and probably a hell of a lot more people would hear my music if, if I concentrated on only one thing. But would I be happy? Um, would I be enjoying what I do? You know, I know as a, as a punter, as an audience member, I can be listening to the greatest music there is, but after I've heard two songs, I've heard the whole two hour concert, you know, because it all sounds the same. And I think I get to, I get bored too easily. You know, I want to hear something different. I want to hear something that makes me feel differently and, and move differently. And, and, and so as the performer, I guess maybe it's a, uh, it's a selfish thing, but I don't like being bored on stage. And I think that if I'm bored on stage, it's going to just seep through to my audience since, you know, no one wants to watch someone who's bored on stage trying to entertain them. And so I think that that electricity comes from creating and, and performing music that you love and you connect with. And why does it have to be one thing? You know, one of the questions I was going to ask you, and I'm going to do it now, actually. So it's going to be beyond was going to. I'm going to ask you the question now. In looking at all of your sites and reading about you, you're obviously a huge deal in New Zealand. That's, yeah. the, that's the way it looks to me. 
Now, again, I don't know if that's just BS flying out there. Am I right that you just won best dressed New Zealand? Yeah, I made it on the big, the best dress list, you know, more important important than my music. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Because you're, you know, one of the things I've noticed about you is that you are a visual artist as well. You know, the way you present yourself when you're performing. But New Zealand seems like you got it pretty well locked in. People know who you are. People listen to you. I'm sure you're all over the radio there. Am I right or wrong? No, well, actually, you know, my, again, like, my music is is pretty hard to peg. I I am, I'm one of those artists that's, I guess, a bit of an anomaly, you know, I'll, I am, I have my fan base, and I uh, have established a a really great profile here in New Zealand, but not due to any kind of support from mainstream radio at all. But I do enjoy a wonderful audience here in New Zealand. Again, like we're, we're a country of 5 million people. So um, I guess that's a little bit big fish in a small pond uh, for most. I am, you know, honored to be so embraced by our music community here. It's very much, you know, I have my family and then I have my New Zealand music family. They are a deep part of me. It's an environment that creates it breeds a lot of wonderful creativity. And I, and I don't for a second think that, you know, the reason my music is so varied and uh, the, the music I make definitely credit goes to the fact that I live in New Zealand, that I am a creative that writes and creates and records and collaborates within New Zealand. Being in a country that's so, that's perceived as being quite isolated is uh people think a detriment but it's actually a huge I think uh, a plus because you create what you want to create without the influence of what the industry wants what you know you're you're not influenced by what's hot around you what's buzzing around you you just create what you want to create and sing what you want to sing there isn't a mainstream country radio station in New Zealand so why would I create music to try to fit onto a format? I, I think that the fact that, you know, people see it as a lack of opportunity, as, oh, you're, you're committing, I had people say to me, you're committing career suicide moving to New Zealand. You know, they don't, they don't even, they, people leave there to come here. The fact that there isn't that infrastructure, I think means that it's freeing because you're not creating for that beast. You're not creating to feed that machine you're just creating for you and your audience and i think that's kind of that's creativity in its purest form really oh yeah absolutely but you know we kind of touched on this before about the idea that you're doing what you want to do in a very authentic way and you are touching a lot of people with your work I was shocked when I was looking at your YouTube stuff. You know, if I look at somebody's YouTube page and I see, you know, they count the views, right? And I was figuring, this is Tammy Nielsen stuff. This, she's doing this Tammy's house thing. It's so cool. She's going to have like 2 million views. No. I mean, that's what I thought, though. I was so shocked because, you know, as someone who, who loves music, listens to music, follows music, I hadn't heard anybody at least to my ear come into my sphere of listening anywhere close to 
the kind of stuff that you're putting out. I mean, do you feel like you want to take it to that level or don't you care? I mean, it, that would be obviously a lot of the point of creating what you create is to connect with as many people as you can and make a difference. And so, yes, it would be wonderful to have 2 million views instead of 2,000, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess for me, uh, the level of quality, you can get discouraged and look at the number of likes I have on social media or the number of streams I get on Spotify. You know, you can s literally see like, you know, the tumbleweeds blowing through there or, you know, my YouTube channel, it's all the same. You know, I'm not getting the millions of views or streams or what have you, but that doesn't change the fact that I create content. The level is going to be the highest bar I can reach with what I have. And so it doesn't matter to me, you know, when I was creating the Tammy show over lockdown and, you know, you're getting a couple hundred people watching or, 500 people watching or whatever and uh and people saying this is like this content is the highest level of like stuff that people are putting out over lockdown and how do you, you know and it's like well just because i'm not getting those views i think this whole career if you're looking for kind of like to reach that mountaintop you're in the wrong career it's a climb it's a journey and people, I got asked recently, what's, what's the secret to uh, being a successful artist today, which cracks me up because look at my views. But anyway, like I'm the authority, you know, I said, yeah, everyone, you know, growing up in, in music, you think, oh, if I had huge label support, if I had radio play, if I had a manager that was like, you know, connected and managed other massive, you know, Beyonce or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> Anything, you know, you, you, people always narrow it down to thinking it's something outside of you. And yes, all those things contribute to someone's success. If you have those, the right place, the right time, the right people, the support system is definitely a huge part of it. But at the end of the day, before any of those things come to you or any of those things uh, come along as part of your journey, it starts with you picking yourself up every damn day and never, ever, ever giving up. It's, it's, it all boils down to you and putting one foot in front of the other, getting rejected, getting knocked down, picking yourself up. You continue on that path. You keep making and striving for excellence. You know, everything I do... I'm not doing it thinking, oh, well, only a couple hundred people are going to see this or only a few thousand people are going to buy this or so, you know, like that's going to determine the quality of output. You know, I'm still going to strive for absolute excellence every time because consistency is what's important in this industry. And so it's the thing that at the end of the day, when my kids look back at my career, they can look at it and see the consistency and that's going to teach them by action. You know, I think everything always boils down to family for me. It's not really about all of the optics and the, the surrounding swirling vortex of 
what we call the music industry. At the end of the day, the whole reason that I, you know, everything I do can be distilled into one thing and that's family and it has nothing to do with the industry. The, you know, what started me doing this was a foundation of family, of my parents and doing this journey together. And then when I lost my dad, the, my whole focus was building on the foundation he'd spent his whole life building for us. And so I'm now carrying that, I'm honoring him by building on that legacy. I'm not gonna stop building because someone said they didn't like my album or I didn't get a million streams. I'm doing it because I'm honoring my father. I'm building and honoring my family legacy. And now I'm building that legacy for my children. So everything that I'm building now, I'm always thinking, what are my boys gonna think of this when they're my age? I want them to be able to listen to my music and think all of these things mom's singing about, you know, inequality and, um, you know, challenging misogyny and sexism in, in the music industry, all these things. I hope in 40 years time, they're gonna look back and go, oh my God, like I can't believe mom had to say all this stuff be because now it's completely irrelevant but I want them to be able to see that foundation was part of shaping in my tiny little audience or my small way, you know, um, I still did what I had to do and still that doesn't stop you doing what you need to do because your reasons for doing it are foundational family legacy. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, cradling on. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, crickling on. Chickens need feeding, dog needs a bone. Bills need paying and the bank's on the phone. Dishes need washing, kids do too. Man come home and he wants to woo-hoo. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, crickling on. Screaming from the kettle, knocking at the door. Baby, kick the bucket full of suds on the floor. Rain starts falling, clothes on the line. What's a stay-at-home mama do with all that time? Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, cradling on. Working through the day, working through the night. Planes and trains and another misflight. Mama gotta hustle, do another show, cause they won't play a lady on country radio. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, cradling on. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Down come baby, cradling on. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. When you tell people 
who've never heard of you about your music. <laughs> right? And apparently there are quite a few people like that, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> me included, uh, back in the, before I was awakened to the Tammy music, uh, fire breathing power. Do you point them in the direction of, say, three or four of the songs that you've done that are on your, you know, seven, now seven albums? Oh, man. I think that most artists would, you know, they normally point to their latest because that's kind of the most true representation of you in this time and place. So, yeah, I would probably be pointing them to the Chickaboom album. That kind of sums up this whole thing for me is a, a foundational family legacy and so most of my albums include you know talking about the loss of my dad uh which is you were mine um on the chickaboom album that's a song that is a really powerful song emotionally for me but performance it's what i have to close the shows with because once i've sung it i'm done take my heart it used to be so supple and sweet now it's withered on the vine There's before and then there's after You were mine Take my faith so strong and full of fire Broken down and blind There's before And then there's after You were mine You were mine Sun comes up, sun goes down World keeps rolling around and around
10-ton truck is literally my autobiography in two minutes. You know, it's telling the story of growing up in a musical family and the perception of success. Daddy born poor, mama was too. Walking through the snow, plastic bags on their shoes. Papa selling houses, sleeping in a car. Four babies in the backseat, underneath the stars. Well, hey, hey, just work a little hard. Need a ten ton truck. Welcome back to the house when daddy lost his job. Put a hitch on the back of mama's little silver dog. Drove with nothing but our clothes and guitar. Right down to Nashville, gonna be big stars. Hey, hey, let's work a little hard. Need a ten ton truck. Ha 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 A little bit of luck makes so much money. Need a ten-ton truck? Well, That song is exactly a snapshot of what we've been talking about when it comes to success, you know, is uh, this is this is my family story. And I guess my my attitude toward the thought of the importance of financial success, I guess. Yeah, those those would be pretty foundational place to start. And then the thread throughout all of my music is challenging in a fun tongue in cheek way. But there tends to always be a challenge of the power imbalance and the, the gender inequality, particularly in our music industry. Um, you know, the line in Queenie Queenie, where I say they won't play a radio on country radio. Um, so you, you always have to kind of get, get those little, little nuggets of truth um, scattered throughout the fun. You know, just like, I've got, I've got two kids. When I give him medicine, I give him some sugar too. <laughs> Change the locks to your box of things Out on the street but sure as hell kept your range You wanna 
just call out my favorite track on Chickaboom, which is Call Your Mama, because I'm a mama's boy. You know, I'm, I'm one of those kids from the <laughs> 60s, right, who I was like, I don't know if you're familiar with Leave It to Beaver or not. Oh, yes. TV show. Okay, I was like the little Eddie Haskell in the neighborhood. Oh, right? uh, Eddie you was know. the worst. He was yeah. the worst, but he was also the best, and there was a lot of sincerity <laughs> behind my act. But my mom would look at me, I mean, I could come in, say when I was in high school, completely drunk, throwing up in a garbage can, and she would say, you're so great. <laughs> so I read that your, your husband is a detective inspector. Yes, he is. So um, he was a detective, now he's an inspector. So he's, which I guess is, yeah, the yeah. same difference. <laughs> so did that have anything to do, this is just a question, did that have anything to do with you getting involved with Broken Wood at all? Or <laughs> yeah, No, that's so funny. I hadn't even thought of that connection before, that Broken Wood Mysteries finally marries our two occupations. I hadn't thought of that before. Oh, good. I'm glad I could be helpful. Because that is I, so funny. Yeah, I was like, when I read that, I was like, well, okay. So here was my fantasy. It was like, your husband was, wor was working on a show, working on the show as a consultant, or he knew somebody <laughs> who was, and he said, hey, my wife, by the way, is amazing. You're like country music. I love that show, too, and I will always love it because it brought your music into our home, you know? But oh, that's so funny. That's isn't amazing. That, I know. Isn't that bizarre that I had never even thought of that connection? That's okay. Well, I'm yeah. ha happy to help all the way from, Although, from when Grant ever, you know, when Grant sees the show, you know, he's quick to point out that with the number of homicides they have in that very tiny town, they would have no population left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. We're always talking about that too. It's like, wow, man, are you everyone kidding? is either a murderer even, or dead? Yeah, or who would who would go there, right? Because no it's so dangerous. Going. 
Yeah, nobody. Oh, and it's quite funny because we live um, out here. Uh, we're kind of West Auckland, and that's where they do heaps of the filming. Oh, wow. And so quite often I'll be driving the kids to school and you see all these trucks and lights and everything's going on and we're like, oh, they must be filming Brokenwood. <laughs> I, I assume you've been on set, right? I mean, you've... I have, yeah. 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 I just love that that show has brought New Zealand country music out to the world. It's, um, it's really, really special. To, you know, it's the most unassuming little show that when they first started it, we kind of thought was this a one-off and they're filming the seventh season right now. Oh, wow. I just got a, just got a call from them yesterday saying, Oh, they wanted to use dynamite in one of the episodes. And so I gave them my permission and yeah, it's, it's uh, seven years strong. Wow. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to talk with, with me and uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to be thrilled to get to know Tammy Nielsen a little better. Thank you so much. It was lovely to chat. It was great to talk. Be well, be safe, and uh, happy warm holidays in Auckland, Thank New you. Zealand. All right. Thank you. And I'll watch my back around Brokenwood. Yeah, be careful <laughs> over there, man. We don't want anything happening to you. Because, you know, they did They did take out a singer in one of the shows. I don't they know. did. Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay, before we go, they, we talked about me auditioning for that role because they kind of based her. Yeah, I felt that. Name. Yeah, yeah. And that was the season that Jay and I scored. So Jay and I actually scored one of the seasons um, as well as having some songs in it. And so they asked me to write the song that is her hit. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote that Killing Me With Kindness. And they said, it has to be called Killing Me With Too Much Kindness. I'm like, can I take out some of those words? They're like, no, it has to be that. I'm like, oh God. So writing to a brief was interesting, but... It was quite funny because they asked me to audition or I was, I had spoken to them about auditioning to play kind of me. And, um, and then I chickened out because I found out my bass player was, he also does some acting. He was auditioning for the guy who dies with her in the hot tub and they're naked together in the hot tub and i was like i can't i'll never be able to look him in the eye again (laughs) that That is so funny it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen and yeah no that's funny (laughs) that's funny well again thank you so i could talk to you for hours but thank you for this hour and 15 minutes i really really appreciate it be well be safe happy holidays and i hope we get a chance to talk again sometime in the future yes all right take care thank you tammy nielsen Why can't this broken heart of mine
Thanks again to Tammy Nielsen for that really wonderful interview. If you'd like to find out more about her, listen to some of her music, go to Tammy Nielsen, N-E-I-L-S-O-N.com or tune in what's one of my favorite shows, Broken Wood Mysteries on Acorn TV. You've been listening to Filling the Air with Words, version 2.0. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Dedicated to the life and memory of our friend Jane Shannon.